Okay, get it together, Nicole. This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This week's book is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling, which was published in 1997. Yay! All right. Yeah. Um, one quick Apologies disclaimer. in advance for a lisp. Oh, <laughs> I also had a disclaimer. <laughs> okay. Wait, we got Go ahead with your disclaimer. My disclaimer is that I got Invisalign, and so I have a heavy lisp. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't even know that. This is exciting. On both of your yeah. teeth? <laughs> Not just on two teeth. On, but on my two teeth. <laughs> both tops and bottoms. <laughs> tops and bottoms. Very cool. Um, my disclaimer was that my general mood today is dark and sad and anxious because I'm dealing with a lot of like crazy work stuff. My remote job just is making everyone go back to the office, but I'm remote and... I'm nervous that they're going to lay me off, and it's just crazy, and so I feel I have this coloring this conversation, so just mm. know that the colors are dark. Um, yeah. Dark colors. Dark colors. Much like uh, the villain in Harry Potter <laughs> and the Sorcerer's Stone. Absolutely. I've had some comments lately that we are, apparently we are not clear about spoilers, uh, we are very much a spoiler pod. Spoiler podcast. Yeah. yeah. And also, if you haven't read Harry Potter at this point. Yeah. If you don't know the plot. Who are you? Mother of Pearl. <laughs> mother of Pearl. Um, crazy it came out But that's out coming from someone who's. Yeah. It is crazy. That's coming from someone who is currently on season five of Lost and somehow has remained <laughs> spoiler free. And if people bring it up today, I will say no spoilers. <laughs> About Lost. Yeah, about lost. No spoilers. Yeah, because everyone's talking no about it right now. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. In my circle, really, people are a lot of people lost? are bringing it up. What the heck? They are. Maybe they know that you're watching it, so it's like top of mind. Like when someone injures their elbow, how you just can't help but like bump into that injured spot on their body, because it's like very much. Yeah. I wonder if that's kind of it, or if lost is just a bigger part of the zeitgeist than I've given it credit for. I think it is. Gosh, that's so cool. Good for them. Anyway. Good for them. 1997. Yeah. When was the first time you read Harry Potter? Um, so my mom started reading it in the hallway for all of us kids to, she would read us, she'd read books in the hallway when we were all falling asleep. We started off with Little House on the Prairie. We got very bored. None of, none of the kids in my family had the attention span for that. So she went straight <laughs> to Harry Potter and that was my introduction. And I saw the first movie in theaters. It scared me so much. Professor Quirrell's head thing. And I remember going to sleep that night and holding my sister's hand. Because it was like around Christmas time. We had guests at our house. So we were sleeping on the pullout bed. And I remember in the middle of the night being like, Karina, can you hold my hand? And um, just because I was so scared. But I loved it, though. Like, I really loved it. And I remember that's around the time that I started reading it. Because I was like, maybe the movies are too scary for me. But I can do the books. So I think around second grade, I started reading them. And that would have been in 2000. About 2000. 1999-2000. So, like, two years after they came out. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I think... 
So I was still living in Farmington, Connecticut. Uh-huh. And I remember I picked it up because my neighbor was reading it. Um, and I started listening to the podcast. Oh, or not the, the audiobook. <laughs> audiobook. This Thank podcast? You. Uh, this podcast. I started listening to this podcast and I was really intrigued. Um, so wait, let me do the math really quick. Yeah. I moved when I was 10, I think. Yeah. Uh, so before 2002. Okay. Probably around the same age yeah, as you. Actually. I think that's when it got really big in America. I'm not sure the transition from England to America, but I feel like that's when people were really, really talking about it. It was like 2000, yeah, 1999, 2000 times. Um, mm-hmm. I listened to the audiobook, and I remember the distinct feeling. Like, I remember lying on my bed, laying mm-hmm. on my bed, and hearing the part where Professor McGonagall wanted to borrow wood from the <laughs> from the class and I was like why would she want to borrow wood I'm so confused and then on like on my reread this time it, I realized that like Harry also wondered the same thing <laughs> so I was like okay it wasn't just me like that was totally just misunderstanding the whole situation <laughs> you didn't know she was borrowing all of her wood yeah. Whom I was attracted to that exactly. actor when when he was out there he was very explaining attractive. Quidditch with mm-hmm. his little black turtleneck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the movie mm-hmm. specifically. I don't know if they detail yeah. black turtleneck in the yeah. book. I don't remember that, but man. Whew. Yeehaw. Oof. Yeehaw. <laughs> um it's interesting because I never heard the audiobook, but I heard about the audiobook. Because so many people were, like, in love with that. Like, they loved the guy who did the audiobook, and they would talk about it. And I was always like, I'm not an audiobook person, so I don't know about it. And I remember being, like, young when I had these opinions. And it was, yeah, mm-hmm. that was, like, a really big part of, like, my elementary school, middle school, where people talking about the Harry Potter audiobooks. That's pretty funny. It's really weird. Have you listened to them Mm-mm. since? Like the audio- so you still haven't heard the Harry Potter uh, Jim no, Dale? No, I still haven't heard them, but maybe maybe it's time. Maybe it's That's time amazing. to redo it. But I think it's time. I would say that looking back, Harry Potter was like a really big part of my childhood. Like every book open, like every time a new book was going to be released, I would go to Tattered Cover, which is like the local bookstore in Colorado. It's like the local book chain, bookstore chain. Um, Mm -hmm. and do the whole party and we'd like dress up and I always wore like my uniform from Littleton Academy, the charter school I went to. And cause that kind of was Hogwartsy. (laughs) And like, Uh it was just like a a thing I always did. Even on a trip to Montana, my family was there, I think when the fifth book came out and we went to like Barnes and Noble there and did the party at like the midnight thing. I went to every midnight premiere for the movies. Like it was just such a part. And I feel like I, we both really grew up with it. Like I was 18 when, um, when the last book seven, yeah, when book seven came out and I remember just being like, I cannot do this. (laughs) Um, I refused, like once that book came out and I finished it, it was so, it was like a part of my body. Like, I just remember feeling like I was such a, like a very big hole (laughs) inside of me where I was like, I have nothing more to live for. Like everything, (laughs) everything (laughs) everything I did from as like a child led up to this moment. Now it's over. And I remember not watching the last movies, part seven, seven, part one and two, because I was like, I can't let this end. I don't want it to be over for me. Like it was very dramatic, but like, 
mm-hmm. but still because it was just such a big part like it was one of those really consistent things i could count on was like this book's gonna come out this movie's gonna come out like every year i could count on it and i would never buy the book at tattered cover because it's more expensive i'd always buy it at walmart after the tattered cover party yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that was always how it went <laughs> And then we'd all, like, share it in my family, and there was always drama because, like, my brother would have the book, and then he'd charge us, like, 50 cents a day to read his book. (laughs) So we'd have to read it really fast, and, like, yeah, I just remember, like, it was such a big deal to not eat while you were reading one of the books. Like, you'd be like, I read the fourth book in two days. I only took breaks to go to the bathroom, and that was, like, such a thing we would, like, say, and I I don't know how real that was, but I do remember, like, really reading, like, nonstop until mm-hmm. and I've never had that experience since but like I read non-stop all those books and the thicker it got the more I was like yeah I'm not gonna eat I'm gonna eat while I read I'm gonna just do it. I'm gonna knock it out in like two three days and like I'd hear of someone doing it in one day and I'd be mm-hmm. like no mm-hmm. I remember th- yeah I have very distinct memories as we're talking about it when I was talking about that memory of me listening to the yeah. audiobook I now remember the Walkman, uh, yeah, <laughs> that I put the discs into yeah. in order to listen to it. Um, that's a that's a throwback. Yeah, what color was the Walkman? Um, it was Cute. blue. It was kind of like a uh, metallic blue. Yeah, color. I had a metallic gold Sony Discman. Mm. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Uh huh. But yeah, I, I have very vivid memories of sitting in the rocking chair in my living room and reading all day yeah to a point where like I, I wouldn't even get up to turn the lights on when the sun yeah. went down I was just like sit there and be like oh I can't see this anymore <laughs> and like someone walking by would turn the light on for me and then I would just keep reading yeah um and uh this doesn't happen to me anymore but like when I was younger if I went to an early movie and I in the theater and I come out I just feel like really disoriented mm-hmm. Because, like, you just came from a really dark room and you moved into Yeah, uh, a normal life, yeah. A normal life. But that's kind of how I felt, like, coming out of the Harry Potter books as well. Of just, like, when I put it down, I'm just like, okay, whoa. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, because you're so immersed in this one world that feels very real. And, yeah, mm-hmm. they're really great books. <laughs> they are. I remember also um, my parents would pre-order the books on this new thing back then called Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there was like one day that I for- I realized, like it was the day before the book came out, and I realized I forgot to tell my parents uh, book seven was coming out. And I forgot to tell my parents that it was coming out. And I said, oh, no, like... <gasps> I'm not going to get it the day it comes out. Oh. My parents were just kind of like tugging me along and just like, yeah, like too bad. Minus like, we'll just have to wait. Yeah. I'm like, oh no, oh no. And then the next morning on release day, it appeared on my doorstep. And my parents were like, what? You think we're stupid? <laughs> <laughs> like, <it> just <laughs> Yeah. Do you think we missed all of the news? Thing? Like it was so big. I feel like it was always yeah. on the news when it was it- coming out and like. It was mm-hmm, such a big mm-hmm. deal. And then Harry Potter World, when that opened, we went, like, the first few weeks because yeah. my sister was a Make-A-Wish kid. She was really sick. And so we went and did that. And, like, I spent, like, over $100 in um, in Diagon Alley, like, all the shops they had, just spending money on the, like, stupidest things. It was, like, 
$50 for a pack of, like, dumb little chocolate frogs that are literally just, like, mm-hmm. Cadbury. I don't know. But I was, like, I just went nuts because it was, like, this is the uh-huh. only moment. And, um, yeah, it just felt like this world that when it ended, it felt like my childhood ended. And I think a lot of people from our generation kind of can relate to that. Yeah. <clears throat> and then when J.K. Rowling started getting controversial, it was another death. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um, which maybe we should talk about a little bit. So, and we just want to express first and foremost that we support trans lives and what's happening in legislation against trans children and trans people is uh, legalizing genocidal actions. It's really scary. We're making it so certain people just don't exist in our society. And it's really wrong. And normalizing that is really scary. But with that in mind, J.K. Rowling has been under fire since 2020. So for like three years, she retweeted an op-ed piece that discussed people who menstruate and taking issue with the fact that the story did not use the word women in it, that it was using inclusive language, like people who menstruate. And that's where it began. And she, she, she wrote on her tweet, people who menstruate, in quotes, I'm sure there used to be a word for those people. Someone help me out. Women, wimpened, womaned, like making a joke um, and saying, you mm-hmm. don't need to use inclusive language for that. Women are women. And then um, she ended up writing, tweeting even more. She wrote, if sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction. If sex isn't real, the, the lived reality of women globally is erased. I know and love trans people, but erasing the concept of sex removes the ability of many to meaningfully discuss their lives. It isn't hate to speak the truth. And so she just kind of kept going in, and she was like, the idea that women like me, who've been empathetic to trans people for decades, feeling kinship because they're vulnerable in the same way as women, i.e. to male violence, hate trans people because they think sex is real and has lived ex- consequences is a nonsense. I respect every trans person's right to live in any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them, which is great. Um, That's my inferring. And then she goes, I'd march with you if you were discriminated against the same basis of being trans. At the same time, my life has been shaped by being female. I do not believe it is hateful to say so. That was like when she was first kind of then like that was the beginning of the whole conversation. And then her views started getting and getting more and more defensive and more angry as she started talking more and more about how (laughs) trans women are not women and now she's like really doubling down on things and getting more extreme about her views on trans people did i cover that yeah okay yeah you did it feels like she just dug her claws in once people started calling her out and she just started going harder yeah um, and I also think the timing of when she started doing all this is especially scary because she, like, well, not scary. The timing of when she started tweeting all of this adds an important context because having a healthy conversation about sex and identity and the differences between discrimination and acknowledging that we're all victims, um, I think there's a nuance. And I think that that is, a, a, like, a good conversation, but it's not the most important conversation to have when we're all fighting for the same cause which is just liberation <laughs> which is just a- mm-hmm. access to healthcare access to um safe living life safely without the threat of being harmed because of our the way we look or the way we identify whether you know you're trans or not trans 
But, like, you know, there are commonalities in that. And the way that she's deciding to find division is where I think it gets really hard, especially in a political climate like Trump's America 2020. It just was, like, mm-hmm. a time also when healthcare was being reexamined. It was just, like, it was not a helpful conversation. She didn't add to the conversation in the way that we expected her to. So I think she fell off of a pedestal in a way, which made it even harder. Because all she was doing was sowing division. And that... Like, I don't know what she was gaining from that whole situation. I think she was gaining a different pedestal. Mm. Like, I think there... um, Because we we saw that directly from her tweets, people who supported those went and harassed trans accounts on Twitter. Mm. Um, So, like directly because of JK Rowling these things happened they people were hurt by them um and i think that's where her power comes from i guess is the people who are standing behind her right now yeah i think you're probably mm-hmm. right i also think that she thinks that she's a victim of cancel culture <laughs> You know, a lot of celebrities, mm-hmm. I feel like, are getting clout by claiming that they're victims of cancel culture. You're not. You still have a career. You still have income passively and actively. You still have a platform. You're not canceled. None of you people who are complaining about being canceled have actually been canceled. Um, mm-hmm. You still are doing exactly what you were doing before. Um, but uh, I think that that claiming is allowing her to feel this sort of, like, hero thing too <laughs> but it's totally yeah. missing the boat like what we needed at that time was just to acknowledge that the me too movement had just happened and we were still in it and that trans people were being criticized critiqued and picked apart at an alarming rate and um, legislation was starting to be passed against them but for some reason jk rowling is super caught up in in um semantics about words and language and all those things which then has turned Mm -hmm. into this is now part of her brand i will also say that there are bad actors on the activist side as well um i mean like jk rowling and her family is has been getting death threats and stuff like that um, which is not cool, mm-hmm. you guys. Absolutely. <laughs> and I feel like this whole attacking and in defense of J.K. Rowling, I, it feels like a case study of both sides thinking that they're right. Mm-hmm. And it says a lot about a person. Um, yeah, just how they act when they think they're right Mm -hmm. says a lot about a person yeah it's like it goes back to like the age-old cliche is it better to be right or is it better to be kind and in in the grand scheme of things of building community and making the world a better place it's better to be kind yeah and i i honestly think like it's hard when you're talking about jk rowling because her platform is so big I mean, she's one Mm -hmm. of the most famous writers of all time, and she's in every community in the the world, you know? It's hard because her fans have a right to speak to that, but it does... I feel like you're right. I feel like it got lost. 
I feel like the ultimate mm-hmm. conversation got lost in the seeking to cancel her and just calling her a turf and her then reacting, which was not mature on her part, by just writing multiple essays <laughs> that were super offensive mm-hmm. and just where she really doubled down. And, um, yeah, and so I think, like, I think you're right. I think, um, but Twitter is, this all happened on Twitter, and so there's nothing you can do. Like, Twitter is is its own terrifying little playground. But but I am curious if, like, Twitter hadn't been in the equation, how, how this conversation would be yeah. with her. Um, because there is no conversation with her, and that's what's really sad. But she, um, yeah, and I think we talked about this earlier too, Eden. Like, a lot of people are now just realizing that there was some problematic stuff about J.K. Rowling's views. Um, but if we look at the books, there's also some other problematic stuff. Like, all mm-hmm. of the people who work at Gringotts, it's, there's a very anti-Semitic world doll kind of energy about how they're all portrayed. Um, mm-hmm. What are the goblins? Yeah, the, the yeah, bankers. Yeah, So, like, yeah. there's already that step, that, that bit, and there's just, like... So we see... We see a lot of this, like, so it's not a huge shock about this. It's mm-hmm. it's a disappointment because Harry Potter was our childhood, and it did feel like just another growing up and realizing, oh, everyone is imperfect. This woman who taught me and told me all these beautiful things and created this whole world for me, she is neither a god mm-hmm. nor a mentor. <laughs> She's just a person mm-hmm. who wrote a great book. And, um, and I can hold that the book is amazing and not put her on a platform anymore or a pedestal and not give her space in any of my platforms either. Like my Instagram account and my Twitter account, I don't follow her. I'm not involved. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Me neither. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's the recent reason why (laughs) people wanted to ban Harry Potter. (laughs) But originally... Witchcraft. Witchcraft, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So this is a, another fun little case of uh, both sides wanting to ban this book for different reasons. That also brings up what you were saying, Eden, earlier about both sides, like no communities being built. Um, is the mm-hmm. book causing harm to people? Or is the author causing harm? And can we separate the two? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but... I mean, the actors are all very supportive of trans rights, and they did the whole reunion, and J.K. Rowling wasn't invited, which was a big statement. Um, Uh So I don't know. So, like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how people handle it. I think it has to be a personal thing. I think it is a personal thing, and I think that's the tricky part of, um, like, I feel like we're living in a society of all or nothing thinking Mm -hmm. and all or nothing activism. Mm -hmm. And, and so like very easily we could be called out Mm -hmm. by certain types of activists who feel that we shouldn't even have Harry Potter on our shelves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, or even have had this episode. I mean, it's another type of purity culture, I guess. (laughs) It totally is. Yeah. Something I think about a lot, especially during the last six years with like different family members of mine having totally different political beliefs and perspectives. It came to this point where I had, in order for me to heal and to move forward, 
I had to look at everyone as like they're just in different places on the process than I am. And I had Mm -hmm. to be okay with acknowledging that certain ideologies are evil. (laughs) You know, racism is evil. We can, you know, anything Mm -hmm. that divides or anything that separates family, I think is evil. When it's not community oriented, I think it's bad. I think when it's trying to separate community, I think that's a bad thing. And figuring out the ideologies, belief systems, and those type of things can be bad, but allowing nuance in the person, and it's a really hard thing to do. And it's it, it, it forces mm-hmm. you to encounter and confront your trauma and confront a lot of horrible things, and also it forces you to be accountable for your own stuff too. Because if I'm forcing other people to be absolutely everything I want them to be, I would have to hold myself to that whole standard too. And I'm trying my best. I think it is a little mm-hmm. bit different with people like JK Rowling though, because she is so powerful and she does have such a platform that I do think it is okay to call her out and to be like, yo. But I also think that canceling is not the thing. Once again, this conversation requires nuance because I mean, I'm watching the R. Kelly final verdict documentary on Netflix and like he broke the law and abused people. And, like, if people weren't going to cancel him, there was going to be no justice because cancel culture allowed people, him to lose money at his concerts, streaming, all these other things, which eventually got him into the courtroom because he couldn't afford all the fancy lawyers and all that stuff anymore. So cancel culture enabled actual justice to happen, whereas J.K. Rowling, she hasn't broken a law. She's sharing an opinion, even though it's an ugly opinion and evil, she, like, Do we want her to go to jail? Do we want her never to work again? No, I want her to change her mind and I want her to use her platform for good. But this isn't like, I just think that we lose focus of the goal. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know, take that or leave that. But that's that's where I'm, I think we have to have those nuanced conversations and and figure out what is, what is the goal here? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And even like nuance at the individual level, not the not the level of J.K. Yeah. Rowling. Like that's that's a too many levels above to like it's easier to not have nuance with that. But like yeah. between you and me, like I have the Harry Potter books on my <gasps> shelves. Yeah. Like am I <laughs> is someone I meet on the street going to give me that yeah. like allow me that nuance? Yeah. Of like yeah. And I, yeah, and that's what's hard too is like, and I, I honestly think most people do. I really do. And I think that those who would judge you for having a Harry Potter set of books on your shelf are the loudest people on Twitter. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like they're not, I think they're a minority, mm-hmm. but they are very loud. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't want trans people to keep dying. I want them to be able to live yeah. their lives. And I know J.K. Rowling hasn't helped that cause, but I also know that she didn't create this ideology of transphobia. And I think that some people have been mm-hmm. confusing that. Um, oh, that's interesting. I haven't heard that. I think I think Just people like... do that with a lot of people. Like, I think people believe that Trump brought racism back to America. No, I think Trump is a product of a very racist America. And he's loud mm-hmm. and he's, you know, and, like, there are roots that are bad. And we need to fix those. And I think yeah. choosing to just cancel the one person and thinking that we can just cut off the head of the monster when the other head, another head is going to grow back. It's like, we're missing the fight. We're missing the point. And I think 
that's also what J.K. Rowling did, ironically, is she missed the point. Like, the point was not us saying that trans women's experiences are the exact same thing as a cis woman's experience. It's not the same. No one is saying it's the exact Mm -hmm. same. So I don't know why we were just saying that there are similarities. And that is okay to say. And I don't know... Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I don't think that she created transphobia. I don't think that she's the reason why it's so popular. I don't think that. I don't think she has and the ears of all the evangelical preachers in America or the far right, you know? Mm-hmm. I think she just added another tick of validation of their opinions that were already there. Yeah. <clears throat> Which sucks, but destroying mm-hmm. her is not going to fix it. Banning Harry Potter is not going to fix this. No. Yeah, what's not. the what's the goal in banning Harry Potter? Is it just to take out her funding, her money? She's so rich. <laughs> That's my other thought too. And I'm also like movies, TV they're also gonna start like a TV series or something on HBO or Prime or Apple TV or something. Oh, yeah, they I don't are. know where it is, but like that she's and she like Universal Studios has Harry like what Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Like, come on. Like what they just came out the, with the video game, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know what they're playing. Like, I don't get what's effective. I think what would be more effective is to, like, really promote the conversations by Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and Rupert Grant about trans rights. Mm-hmm. Give them more platforms to do that. Yeah. What was your concern about having this conversation in the first place on podcast level? I have the Harry Potter game. <laughs> <laughs> I paid money to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is probably... Maybe people might call this ignorance. But, like, I don't really think about J.K. Rowling when I think about Harry Potter. Yeah. I think about, like... Like, everything we talked about in the beginning of this podcast, of, like, the nostalgia that comes from reading Harry Potter. I think the Harry Potter movies are incredible in, in that... Wait, when did when did Lord of the Rings come out? When we were in elementary um, school, middle school, when they came out. I think the last one came out when we were in sixth grade. Let me look that up. Oh, okay. So I feel like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter were the last movies to have a soundtrack that actually people can sing back to you, you know? Like, if you think of any Marvel movies, like, are there any, like, is there an Iron Man theme that you can sing back to me? You can't. (laughs) What's the Harry Potter theme, you know? Um, and, And they're just like, yeah, just like a lot of... This doesn't make sense at all. No, keep but going. yeah, it doesn't. I, I don't think about J.K. Rowling. I think about the feelings that I feel <laughs> when I when I participate in Harry Potter yeah. things. Um, so I have a picture of myself downstairs at Platform Nine and Three yeah. Quarters, where they have they pay someone an hourly wage to throw your scarf so it looks like you're running through the wall. <laughs> At King's Cross. (laughs) At King's Cross. And I'm there with the cheesiest smile because I'm so ecstatic that I am there. 
Um, I have the Elder Wand sitting on my mantle. Absolutely. I I have the Hogwarts Lego Castle. Lego Castle, and yeah. I have the Hermione and Harry Potter Barbies. Whoa! That was the thing Target. I didn't know there were Barbies when I was like in fourth grade. (laughs) 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 No one else has them, so I feel like I really snuck in right when they. You did. You did. Um, so I guess that, that was like, <clears throat> that was my worry coming into this of just, of just, uh, approaching the all or n- nothing activism. Yeah. Being kind of. Like I, I very, yeah. Just like discounting everything else about me because I own a, a couple of things. Um, and me buying from a is she a billionaire? Probably. I'll look it up. Her net worth is $1 billion, but she insists that she's not a billionaire. That's as of February 2023, according to <laughs> com. She insists she's not a mm-hmm. billionaire? It could be because she's donated a lot. I swear, I I'm not transphobic. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> I refuse yeah, to refuse to trans women as women. But yeah, I own all of these things, but I very much support trans rights as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I should rethink that. If we live in a capitalist society, like, <laughs> vote with your money kind of thing. And I also don't think that you not buying Harry Potter stuff, reading Harry Potter is going to make a difference. Maybe that's also ignorant in my part. I'm trying not to eat at Chick-fil-A because I know that money goes directly to lobbying against LGBTQ rights. Um, but also, like, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to do this, like, nihilism thing, but, like, every... I don't know one group that I can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even my job, my boss donates a ton of money every month to Mike Lee and all these other like far right politicians and my work Mm -hmm. at this job is contributing to that I just found that out so like I don't it's just there's so many choices and I think you can get mad about JK Rowling and really do something about that if you want to and we applaud you if you don't want to have Harry Potter in your home but you do not have a right to tell anyone else that they're not allowed to read Harry Potter (laughs) like I think that's mm-hmm. the bottom line when it comes to cancel culture and burning books. Is like that censorship is really scary. Even J.K. Rowling's censorship, she still can say what she wants. It doesn't mean she's right. It doesn't mean that her opinions are good. But that is part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Which sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess that's why politics are so messy. <laughs> I guess that's why it they is. say politics are a little messy. Yeah. Chicken or the egg. Chicken or the egg. But um, I think we can all say that, like, if J.K. Rowling came to my city to talk, I probably wouldn't go see her. I probably, I definitely would not pay money to see her talk because. I don't think I would Yeah, because I don't want to hear what she has to say. Like, I really don't agree with her her takes on things. But um, I do, yeah. But I still, my nieces still read her books and love Harry Potter. Like, Harry Potter. Your nieces were so cute. 
cute. Yeah, they love and like the things they learn from Harry Potter are so beautiful and so cool. Yeah, which is yeah. really interesting that you, that this just talking about J.K. Rowling already makes you feel uncomfortable and easy because it's so heated when I don't think it needs to be. But it is, like we can all just say yeah. what she says is bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what she says is bad. And and I think like me never having touched her other books yeah. at all. Like even pre controversy yeah. around uh, with her transphobia, yeah. um, I think that just speaks to like how I don't care about J.K. Rowling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just care about Harry Potter. It's like, oh, she wrote another book. Mm, if it's not Harry Potter, no, thank truly, you. Truly, <laughs> truly, and I think a lot of people speak to that. I mean, I would love to see the numbers of how. I guess we could look them up. I'll look them up. How many people have bought her other books? You know. Um, if they ever were yeah. bestsellers, I'm sure the first one she wrote after Harry Potter was because, you know, the momentum and like, and also the new Harry Potter movies, I don't think it did. Yeah. Well. The new Harry Potter movies have not gone crazy. Like the, the Fantastic yeah. Beasts are trash. Yeah. Let well, me tell you, the, I think the, the greatest atroc- atrocity of the Fantastic Beasts movie. Yes, please tell me. Actually, there are several. Okay. I never watched them. But one <laughs> of them, you know, uh-uh. watch them. So Johnny Depp is the bad guy. Right. right? He's also like Dumbledore's lover, right? Yeah. But he um before that he would he like <clears throat> polyjuice potioned or something else to be Colin Farrell. Oh goodness. And I think that was their mistake was replacing Colin Farrell with Johnny Depp. <laughs> <laughs> you already had such a perfect actor. Yeah, that feels unnecessary. Did you did you ever see Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? the terry gilliam is his name terry gilliam well that one film um Mm -hmm. because i was talking to my boyfriend about this this week because he had never heard of it and i was like yeah it's crazy because this was Heath ledger's last movie Heath ledger died in the middle of making it so instead of changing everything they kept all the scenes of Heath ledger but they just added more actors to portray Heath ledger so like he was going to be like the same character would exist in this movie in this plot but new actors would come in and be that person and two of the new actors were Jude Law well three of them Jude Law Colin Farrell and Johnny Depp so I wonder if the Grindelwald people were like oh Johnny Depp and Colin Farrell did a really good job with this with being the same person let's do it again because like (laughs) you know and they'll be in love with the other person that played with that played oh yeah it was Jude Law wasn't it Jude Law Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Maybe. Maybe the casting director was like, interesting. Interesting. Maybe. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting to know that you're so nervous about talking about this. Um, I believe that our listeners listen in good faith. I don't think that they're all going to be like, you guys are so stupid. I think that the fact, like, I think just having these conversations though is really critical to counter censorship. I think it's okay to say where someone is wrong or where you feel someone is wrong and then mm-hmm. use your activism to show up at those marches and those rallies and your votes and donating money to those causes. I don't think some I feel like so many people want pop culture to be the only stage for activism. I think that that mm-hmm. is fraught. <laughs> I think that mm-hmm. we need to actually be participating in our communities. I think pop culture is an awesome place if you do feel like your activism is there, but I just, I would challenge people not to stop there because I don't think it's as effective as actually 
working with the trans people in your communities and working with local politicians to yeah. affect change, making sure hospitals are safe places for trans people to go and get care, um, making sure bathrooms mm-hmm. are safe, making sure schools are safe. You know, like, I just think, I think we think pop culture is the only stage because it's easy. It's easy to just be like, I don't buy that or I don't watch that movie and then feel like you've done activism. Mm-hmm. Or I called J.K. Rowling Lord Voldemort on Twitter. That's not... It's not totally act. That's not <laughs> activism. That's not a collective. That's not an action for the collective good. All that is is yelling at somebody. But yeah, J.K. Rowling's got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love for her to write something good. Gosh, man. Yeah. Um, I have a funny mantra that I say to myself. Yeah. If I want to leave a conversation. That is going nowhere. Are you saying that's what's happening right now? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, Eden. Okay, Eden. This is how you exit. Really cool. I get it. Okay, what's your, convers- what's your um, mantra? Uh, my mantra is, that's their trauma. <laughs> <laughs> it felt very, like, hand-washing for yeah. me. Yeah. very his, my grandmother's I'm just like that book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I remember, like, talking to a colleague of mine, and I was just trying to talk to them about why, or rather, I was trying to figure out how to talk to them about exoticizing their future grandchild. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> because their, their, their child was marrying someone who is Chinese. They're white. Mm-hmm. And they were marrying someone Chinese. Um, and so they just talked about, like, yeah, exoticizing their future mm-hmm. grandchildren. It's like, oh man, those babies are gonna be so cute and blah blah blah. And you know, like they're gonna have these like really, really beautiful, like almondy, like ooh, like beautiful eyes. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I sat there and was like, How am I gonna talk about this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I just like left that conversation be and I just nodded and I just thought to myself, you know what? That's gonna be their family trauma. <laughs> I think that's what we have to do. I won't take. <laughs> I won't take that burden on myself <laughs> in like needing to teach someone how like no. Yeah, no. that's so funny. Yeah, my grandmother's hands. It talks a lot about like how people's reactions are often like, especially if the reaction is crazy. I I want to stop saying crazy. It's not a very nice thing, but when the person's reaction is unjustified, mm-hmm. it's often a traumatic response trauma response like Mm -hmm. intergenerational trauma and like i think about that a lot where i'm like that's some yeah it's a really good way of excusing yourself from like a situation (laughs) Mm -hmm. that's so funny so funny okay on that note i guess we can end let's end (laughs) well also put in the references some some Nonprofits that you can donate to to help support trans people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, just I recommend if you know someone that's trans, just check in on them every now and then. Make sure that they're okay. They're safe. Right now is a really scary time. We all love each other. Remember, people are not evil. Ideologies are. <laughs> and we can fight those ideologies and ultimately still build community. Healing. Mm-hmm. Healing. So I whisper. Healing. 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 That's their trauma. That's their trauma. <laughs> That's their trauma.
They're little traumas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Night night, Eden. Love you. Have fun on your big okay. trips. Good night. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, I'll stop recording now. Burn This Book is produced by us, Nicola Corin and Eden Wen. Music written by me, Nicola Corin, and produced and performed by my dad, Frank.